Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Cult Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Hello and welcome to part two of our Netflixmas discussion. Now I know you were thinking, Netflixmas, Richard, that's not a word. It, 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 it's not, you're right. It's, a, it's what's called a portmanteau, which is a Do combination tell. of two words. Do you know that a portmanteau in itself is a portmanteau? Of poor man's toes? Mm. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly how a poor manteau works. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that is what it is. <laughs> um, no, it's a guy named Port and a guy named Manto or something like that. Who cares? Yeah, um, um, yeah, that's yeah, who cares? I think. <laughs> Guys, uh, I'm really, I'm not appreciating the energy that the two what? of you are bringing into this pod. I just think right it's worth, like, I've just been doing Netflixmas shopping all day. <laughs> Saying who cares is like, what a, what a vibe. <laughs> You know, like, like I've never felt so represented by you, AJ. <laughs> well, good. Welcome, everybody, to the Cold Popshire podcast. As Richard said, um, we're continuing on with our, our slog through uh, Netflixmas 2021, or at least uh, what we can get our little hands on mm. um, for Netflixmas 21. Our tiny little little boy hands <laughs> which if you've never heard before is when uh every christmas since 2017 netflix either commissions or buys a bunch of often very shitty christmas films and puts them up and um we watch as many as we can and talk about them uh so go listen to the last netflix miss episode if you want the full 2021 experience i listened to the 20 i listened back to the 2019 episode oh. um last night Probably, I think the best Netflixmas ever. Um, there was there were some bad films, but there was also films of a caliber we'll never see in our lives mm. again. Well, yeah, the fact obviously there was the fact that one of them was half decent, which is um, <laughs> we'll I never like, see that caliber uh, again. Uh, yeah, a, a, a peak we've we've yet to yeah. you know scratch. Yeah, and what I thought was interesting in that was that that was the second time. So the first time we ever did Netflixmas was 2018, and the second time we did it, we were like, "Oh my god!" And this year, there's six films. There's too many for, you know, there's two more than last year. And what's next? Eight films. What are we on this year? Like overall, how many Netflixmas films are there this year? Uh it would depend on how you count it. There's up to fourteen. Up to four. Isn't that interesting? That 
it's just stupid, isn't it? And I it's think stupid. that the the um on this podcast I made a comment of there was something to the to the likes of like it is unsustainable for us to keep doing this this year if they're going to um keep increasing the amount of films and here we are. <laughs> yeah. So the 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 up to 14 includes one that's like not clear if it came out this year or last year, but I think it came out last year called The Claws Family. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of like Netflix exclusives that aren't exclusive in every region, short films, etc. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so last week we talked about the the first four, which was Love Hard, Father Christmas is Back, Princess Switch 3, Romancing the Star, and Robin Robin, which was a TV special, it was only about 30 minutes. Um, and then, you know, as we sort of promised you guys last week, uh, we talked about the next four, which was A Boy Called Christmas, A Castle for Christmas, Single All the Way, and David and the Elves. We also mentioned Shaun the Sheep, The Flight Before Christmas, which, you know, is a Netflix original in some regions, not in New Zealand, apparently. So, um, it's actually it's not on Netflix here, so we couldn't we couldn't cover it. But you know, obviously, you know, you've got you've got a few sort of of the rom com, uh, you know, the Hallmark sort of style ones, which Netflix has kind of made their brand for Christmas. And then you've got like a foreign film, which we've had some fun with in the past. But then obviously they've got their big blockbuster of the year. Uh, in previous years, you know, this has been uh christmas chronicles this has been jingle jangle and uh this year it's a film called uh a boy called christmas Mm. and all three of us you know we we saw this was playing in cinemas but we were like well wouldn't you know know, i've got it on netflix and then you 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 know you open netflix any any time of day and the featured film that it aggressively markets to to you just auto playing plays you the trailer uh was this film a boy called christmas watch it watch it now jeremy we've selected this for you the algorithm knows even though it was the first film of this batch released we all decided to leave it to last i think (laughs) i think you know we just wanted to save the dessert like genuinely i feature film the one that that yeah the, the one that's actually a film we were like well let's leave this to last and then last night to my abject horror i opened my netflix app i typed in a boy called christmas and netflix suggested that i explore titles related to a boy called christmas but didn't give me the option of watching a boy called christmas weirdly it offered me up a castle for christmas a film which i should add netflix knows i've already watched and didn't like <laughs> no fuck that <laughs> um so yeah uh, for some reason and and i and i verified this with with listeners and with friends overseas that a boy called christmas is still available on all of your netflixes but in you know some sort of christmas miracle we <laughs> it was taken off netflix in new zealand I, I tweeted them to try and find out why i pre- i presume it's some kind of Listeners, error richard did the work by putting the mahi yeah. as people would say <laughs> and, and i i think i think the thing is so we haven't watched it we didn't go out of our way to find like a copy yeah, of it i was i was used to that we didn't go to the movies you know no. we are out of lockdown Look, here at Auckland, seen, but i haven't still seen not june safe. i haven't seen bond i'm not making my first <laughs> trip to the movies a boy called christmas no, but you could, you know, there are other ways we could procure a movie that is streaming in other countries. Well, I don't However, even want to. I don't even want to entertain those ideas because AJ. it's Netflix, Miss AJ. It's not WatchSeries.net, Miss. But, but are you? 
Don't tell me off. I was leading to this point. Mm-hmm. I, I was saying AJ tried we, to get us to pirate it, but we said no. <laughs> I didn't even suggest that. I'm saying that in the spirit of Netflixmas, we decided that fuck it. If it's not on Netflix in New Zealand, we're not going to watch it for Netflixmas. It's it's not part of it. Yeah. So like Netflix, you like, done fucked up. We're doing we're doing this on Netflix's terms, and if they <laughs> want to remove one of the films. That's their modus operandi, um, mm. and we can't uh, we can't stand for that. Look, Santa is the one who puts the gifts under the tree, and we can't we can't tell Santa that he should have put a different gift under the tree, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. I I I hadn't watched any trailers or anything like that for A Boy Called Christmas, so yeah. I, I I did think you know we could have a f- sort of fun speculation as to what it would be about, but as Jeremy and I were sitting here waiting for you to send us a link to the zoom call aj i said we should pull up the trailer and i skipped to about six different parts in it and i and i saw uh maggie smith dame maggie smith i saw jim broadbent and uh, i saw some presents and uh you know what it looked yeah it it does look like it will be this year's jingle jangle uh so (laughs) what an ultimately disappointing overblown production fest Mm, which you know is better than the rest of them. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm desperate for that on this. Uh, right now, where I'm sitting, I'm desperate for it. Yeah. Mm. And look, you may have sensed, um, especially if you if you are coming straight from um, two weeks ago, Netflix Miss 2021 Part 1, you may have sensed a, a change in energy. And I'll tell you why that is. Is that um, it is a little later than we're all comfortable uh, recording usually um mm. just due to due to uh, the three of our schedules working out um i've got a pretty bad headache um and also the three movies that we have to talk about today <laughs> it's the worst netflix miss ever man <laughs> like it's it's this is this is i know we're only going to be talking about three on this episode but i feel like this is maybe the the lowest um overall enjoyment level of any like collection there is so much content though there's so like, much content yeah but we don't want the episode to go loathing. for too long do we though um i am still fairly tired <laughs> like we've we've seen probably the, i don't know if i'd call any of these the worst netflix movies we've ever seen i would um, 100 I, I, mean, I would well i think maybe you've the <laughs> recency bias are you going to accuse me of recency bias i'm gonna, i'm saying that holiday rush was so unnotable that it's disappeared from your memory so you're like yeah this is the worst one wait which one was that exactly oh, the radio one <laughs> yeah. the radio one from 2019 i think that um what what more what i'm saying is is like out of you know and i'm not saying this is the that 2021 is the worst Netflix miss, but I'm saying out of the single episodes we've done that have been a package of so many movies, this is maybe the least happy I've ever been. The worst package. Yeah. The worst grouping. <laughs> the mm. worst present, if you will. Ah. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah, I, the, this is really, uh, is this the end of Netflix miss? You no, know? absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well you know i thought i might like try and leave a cliffhanger for next year oh right i didn't want to do it like last year we had a very serious discussion on pod about not doing this but every year it rolls around and someone who's never told me they love the netflixmas episodes before will be like oh my god i love it when you guys can't do wait for netflixmas, netflixmas yeah <laughs> oh, um, great. so the money's working yeah <laughs> 
I'm like, guys, in the Discord, there's a whole section that is like doesn't include you guys. And I'm every year, I'm like, guys, 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 I really, really want to get back on the podcast. Please, can one of you tell AJ that you love it? <laughs> um, but yeah, like because yeah, this year we've got this weird like their their, their biggest movie. They took off Netflix in New Zealand, and their, their there's like four movies that are coming out. After this episode is released, so between yeah. this episode's release and Christmas, and like the twenty between the twenty second and the twenty fourth of December, yeah, like they've stacked them in like the final days before Christmas, which is like people have other stuff to do on those days. They got a Christmas also, show. So who's gonna watch that? Who's gonna watch any of these movies after Christmas? You know, you've got a a limited time space. We've talked about this already. Yeah. Okay, so usually the way we do this is we each we go. Three, two, one, and we all say what we thought the worst of this this bunch was. Uh, we can do that. I feel like I feel like I'm going to have a different answer to the two of you, but I also don't. It's care it's, enough. Yeah. Well, we need <laughs> to do care. it. It is tradition. Yeah, it is tradition. Okay, it. it is tradition. All, all right. right so-, so the worst film of the, of the three we've watched, which it, to remind you is not a boy called Christmas. It's a castle for Christmas. Single all the way, and David and the elves mm-hmm. so three two one david, david and the, and the elves. castle for christmas david and the elves is the is a coloring book whereas um a castle for christmas is my mum staying to talk to someone at the supermarket when i just <laughs> want to go home and play playstation <laughs> right this is the this is what i knew this would happen i'm happy to talk about a castle for christmas that's just my reasoning it's like one is is like one lights up something in my brain the other one doesn't and that's the bare minimum mm. i ask <laughs> i would say a castle for christmas is at least still a movie right <laughs> Okay, so we're going to talk about David and the Elves first. Yeah, a film which Jeremy finished on the way here. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just correct you there, Jeremy. It's actually called Dawid A. Alfi. Oh, thank thank you you for correcting me. That's so important. You bigot. Um, (laughs) Yes, but in the way that we watched it, it's called David and the Elves. (laughs) Because that's the quality of the overdubbing of the original Polish. Yeah, Mm. it would be a lot funnier if we could see your mouth yeah and it had like a bad lump so it's always funnier when you can see my mouth um so david and the elves i just want to point this out is it's like if people can cast their minds back to last year's christmas uh so netflix miss thank you uh it's like if christmas crossfire and Right, one of like, the other <laughs> shitty ones had a baby. It's like it's it's more to do with Christmas than Christmas Crossfire, but it has mm. exactly the same just like weird being like, in a different language. I don't but it's not the <laughs> language. It's like it's the entire sensibility of a culture. Like it's like it's it's a Euro- no, no, it's not their language I have an issue with. It's the whole fucking shit. <laughs> no, 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 it's, like, it's like there's something that's just... And the thing is, because it's a different culture and a different language, yeah. I'm not sure if it's just jarring because it's a poorly made movie. Yeah, you're like, do, do the Poles think this is bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the Poles <laughs> think this is a good movie? And I think, like, you know, <laughs> I'm open to it. But my goodness, this is just... It's not just poorly made. It is truly disturbing. It's poorly made. <laughs> it is truly disturbing what this movie does and what it's about. Yeah. What okay, about? so let's what is it about? Yeah. Okay. Who wants to take it? So I'll try and do this again. I'll try and do a quick pricey. 
The um, pricey! Uh, <laughs> Ring the bell! <laughs> pricey so, time! This movie centers... <laughs> the, the, the titular David of this movie is a young boy who lives in a little village in Poland with his extended family uh, that starts with Christmas, uh, you know, big family Christmas, lots of traditions that are like, you know, delivered by the aunties and uncles and grandma and grandpa and stuff like that. And near the end of Christmas Eve celebrations, which is sort of very ritualized and very sort of warm and loving, um, David and his father are outside and his father is obviously trying to sort of whip up the Christmas fervor and he he goes, oh, I'll point out to you, you know, here's, there's Santa's sleigh. Can you see it? It's invisible, but can you see Santa's sleigh and can you see Albert the elf? And uh, the little boy goes, yes, I can see them. And it just so happens that at that moment, Santa and this like horrendous self-involved elf called Albert. Elf involved. Is being... Yes, thank you. Who has been named Elf of the Year five years running um, are actually mm. flying through the sky and and Albert the Elf sees David waving at him and thinks, oh, he can see me. So all the humans on earth love me as they should because I'm an amazing elf. Yeah. Fast I'm, forward I'm one. fucking Albert. I do, I do just want to I do just want to say for people who haven't seen this Jeremy you're kind of wording this like you're pointing out flaws in the movie this is the character's arc <laughs> like the character is uh, self slash elf involved I should just say yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah 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 like, like I'm, I'm just telling you the facts about the movie Fact, I'm not yeah. actually offering any the, kind of the, critique this is, okay. just, this is really just a pricey at present uh, AJ, so. <laughs> so then with the movie fast forward a year and the mother and father have decided to move to Warsaw the main the so capital city of Poland and and to get better jobs, but it means that they're away from their extended family. And this poor boy, David, is kind of alone a lot of the time. And he is missing the family. He wants Christmas to be like it was. And it basically, his situation collides with Albert wanting to leave uh, Elfland or the North Pole or whatever it is. Um, and leave Pretty Santa's, famously, the North Pole. Yeah, thank you. Leave Santa's workshop to basically... <laughs> go and find out how be- he he believes that he's beloved by people everywhere on earth for some reason it's never really quite explained and he goes down meets david because david was the boy who waved at him um and <laughs> the then boy who basically waved. has a terrible time because he finds out that no one gives a shit about elves even they're, they're dressed ridiculously uh he does a bunch of magic shit to david's house and david's parents get rightly annoyed that all the things in their house have changed and david uh, david's dad goes through a whole santa claus Yes. With an E situation. Yeah, the Santa Claus arc of getting a beard for some reason and, you know, full beard and, and shave like, it off. I've got, I, I've got a beard. And like, well, then you should shave it. And he's like, oh, I did. Yeah. And, and basically- <laughs> Gotta get married. <laughs> David's, David's obsessed with getting- Sorry, no. Um, Albert the Elf is obsessed with getting David to like him and like be his friend, just prove how much he loves him. Also, at this point, Albert's like- magic energy meter or power meter is like declining 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 wouldn't be a christmas movie without a declining magic meter <laughs> well, I didn't, when someone points out a trope you didn't realize was a trope <laughs> santa and mrs claus are super worried about albert being like you know losing his magic because we find out like literally two-thirds through the movie that if an elf loses all of their magic uh they turn into a figurine and then ultimately disappear which i'm just like okay um and then basically so santa and mrs claus go down they try and find yeah. albert <laughs> <laughs> the movie really picks up at that point. 
<laughs> they they go down. They find they find they find out um, David's parents' house, but it's too late. Al- Albert and David have gone to back, trying to walk back to his grandparents' house in the mountains, so that because David's aware that Albert needs to be connected with the real you know Christmas to get his magic power back. Um, which like they go tramping through the snow for like miles and miles, dashing through the snow, uh, potentially kill themselves um, in, because of exposure and hypothermia, but they don't. And then they get to the grandma's house just as David's parents and Mister and Missus Claus arrive, uh, and basically, you know, it all turns out fine. Albert turns into a figurine, but then he realizes that in the end it wasn't actually the power of Christmas that would save him. It was the power of him knowing that he could love other people, which was the real thing that would give him power. Uh, and everyone's happy in the end. Uh, before we dive into everything we hated about this movie, I would like to start off with a positive. And that is what I love about watching um, not just any foreign films, but particularly foreign films from like Poland or or, or Denmark. Are these the same area of the no, world? No, Eastern Europe and Northern I, well, whatever. I don't Northeast know what I'm Europe. What what I was getting at was that um that uh I love the that there's a lost in translation thing, like literally in the translation, um, and it means you can be watching this movie which is expressly made for children. Like it is a a children's movie, and then an hour and twenty minutes into it, a character will go, Jesus Christ, it's Santa Claus. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> it's like because like you know along the way an expletive was uh translated wrong or or whatever and so you just have like random spurts of like um things that are probably not appropriate for a kids movie come mm. out no i always enjoy when i see that happening um yeah that's the best thing about this movie <laughs> yeah do you guys like it or <laughs> no i didn't like it i i i i thought it was um at 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 you know it was boring and bad but there's a sinister <laughs> side to it as well oh, can that we i know just i know jeremy is to talk about <laughs> and and no and i'm and you're not you're not wrong jeremy i agree that this movie um <laughs> it feels a little like a like a pedophilic uh, handbook almost. It's a manual for grooming a child. Like it and, is- and there's there's deep stuff to it that that I'm sure you can take us through, Jeremy. But even on a surface <laughs> level, there's shit like um, David constantly, or the uh, Albert the Elf constantly telling David he just wants you to know how much I, you know, I just want you to know how much I like you. Like it's very it's very odd, uncomfortable language that they use about around like their relationship. The post for this movie which i'm looking at right now is albert the elf cradling david in his arms what? it feels very <laughs> like they're what? embracing in a, in a in a cuddle and uh, it really uh it feels a lot different seeing that after watching this movie um so it's already like and again it might be a translation thing that it's like the the type of love that is being expressed by Albert for David does not feel like the the appropriate <laughs> kind of love for if this was um you know it, it's not like a, a a big brother it doesn't feel like a big brother little brother kind of love it feels like it's uh, romantic I yeah guess, it, I like okay say. so as I was thinking about this I was like this movie pretty much a hundred percent of the creepiness of this movie could have been solved if the 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 elf cast were all like 12 year old children right you know if they'd cast elves 
like with children as they have done in other movies it would be totally fine because it would be like David and Albert would just be mates yeah. and like they they learn to become like better friends and that, that kind and of like friendship. Luca. And it could yeah. yeah, it could be totally like lovely and innocent and like warm and 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 it could remind you of childhood and then best friendships you have as a child. They have cast someone who looks like he's about 27, 28 at least as Albert. If not 50. Yeah. <laughs> and my goodness. Like, it is just, it's so disturbing because what happens is that Albert comes down and he basically like, it's like he's showing off to David. And David, because he has been told by his dad that elves are like this wonderful magic, like, you know, it's like, you know, he's like, wow, a real life elf. This is so incredible. So he already idolizes Albert. And Albert idolizes himself and has like this like sort of super narcissistic self-aggrandizement, which is, you know, kind of associated with criminal behaviors in the beginning. And then like Albert does all this stuff where he like treats David really and like he does like cheeky things like, you know, does magic that is specifically done to impress uh, David and make him feel like he's really special and no one else like gets to see the things that he's showing David and like just like oh just super grooming stuff like telling he it, negs like, him as well yeah he negs him and he's just like oh like you know I thought that everyone loved me do you not think I'm lovable you yeah. know like and just and, and f- <laughs> almost like you know blackmailing David into telling into getting David to tell Albert how wonderful he thinks he is and stuff it's just so like oh my gosh and and the fact that the father sees Albert leaving the house after, you know, and, and leaving his own, like leaving David in the house by himself. And he comes in afterwards. Like, I was like, if that was me and that was one of my children and like this, like fully grown adult had come out of my house and I did not know who he was, didn't know he was going to be there. And I knew that he'd been in there with my son. I would have like chased after him and been like, what the have you been doing with my child like yeah, oh yeah. man it's just no one in this movie acts the way that real human parents would it's just, oh man. no they do that's just how it is in poland dude don't worry about yeah. it <laughs> it's <laughs> richard, just polish people man richard what did you think um i did not like the movie i um yeah i think that's that's a pretty fair assessment uh, on my part um yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. Like, do do the poles realize how similar a lot of these elements are to the Santa Claus? Do the poles know? Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. Also I guess- Christmas Chronicles two. Ah. Well, I mean, we are dealing in the same genre here, so let's cut everyone a little bit of slack. <laughs> but I do, I do think that is a valid point that, like, everything we're complaining about with the the kind of pedophilic undertones to this movie, you could probably say the same thing about the Santa Claus um, with Tim Allen. And I think that's that, his own um, children, though. No, no, I know, but but no, there's the scene when- by the fireplace where the girl makes her uh, makes some cocoa. And like she's like a thousand years old, but is played by a little girl, and he's like, "Damn, girl, you know how to make some good cocoa." <laughs> I don't remember that, but it's weird. It's, but, when you watch the-, the movie again, that scene will stand out to you. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I remember when we covered the Santa Claus trilogy was that um, it's it like because it operates, it's not a Santatheist movie. It's it's a it believe you know Santa is real of the Santa theist. Um, it 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 presents. Um, its message is like you should never give up on your your family and um, 
all this sort of thing, which only works if Santa's real, because if Santa's not real in the universe of the Santa Claus, it's about a divorced dad so desperate to get back in touch with his son that he puts on... Dresses up as a woman? (laughs) Yeah, right. And becomes their nanny? Yeah, yeah. (gasps) Well, I mean, it's it's essentially the same thing, I guess, but in this it's more like it involves other children as well, because there's that scene at the park where... Every child in the world. Sitting on his lap and stuff. Um, but anyway, a lot of that is similar here, that that the only reason this is forgiven, or as presumably the filmmakers thought it to be forgiven, is because Santa's real, so of course it's innocent. But as but also you there's, point like, there's out, no... Jeremy, if this happened in real life, I'd be deeply concerned about the strange man my son brought home. There's um, also but no if he could prove that he was an elf. Then... And, and, and also there's secrets, there's clearly secrets they're keeping from me. Like, that's very alarming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's also zero internal logic in this film about, like, adults and, like, their disbelief in Santa. But if he is real, then, like... Mm. Like the presents that they get from Santa would actually be coming from Santa. Like it's just. I mean, that's the that's the chestnut roasting on the open fire of Christ- Christmas movies since mm. they since their inception. Though there's plenty plenty of Christmas movies which have that problem. Yeah, but it's just, in this movie, it's so inelegantly done because it's like the father is very like at the beginning very like pro Santa believing and magic mm. and all that sort of stuff, and then all of a sudden he just isn't. And yeah. it's just like, I don't know, I just didn't buy that character transformation. It was very strange. Sorry, David, I was just gaslighting you. There is no Santa. <laughs> <laughs> the number of times that he's just like, there's no fucking magic, boy! Like, <laughs> Again, but, some more of that language that that probably got lost in translation. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing I would say about this movie, that, like, it did surprise me. The, I was expecting the message at the end to be very, like, just crap and nothing. But the 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 sort of intention around where it gets to, around what like is good about Christmas or like what is the true meaning of Christmas, you know, as far as what actually gets um what's his name, Albert, like back into the game and back to life and all that sort of stuff. Like actually the real meaning is figuring out that you love other people, that actually like you have a love in your heart for others and you want to love them. Is actually that's Far a far more nuanced take than I've heard from mm. many many uh, Christmas movies, and I was like, oh, that's, sure. that's it was surprising to me how like almost like valuable that that message really was. Too bad it was covered up under ten tons of Christmas shit. I think they fell into it, Jeremy. I think they wrote themselves into a corner and desperately tried to worm a theme out of this mess of a film they'd made and were like, like accidentally made something poignant. I feel like that's more likely. Yeah, yeah, than- yeah. <laughs> they, they can't have been that smart because the rest of the movie does not bear yeah, that intelligence yeah. out. Yeah. Um, funniest joke in this movie, everybody, is when um, Albert the Elf decides, you know what, everyone should be able to get whatever they want for Christmas. And he starts <laughs> using his magic to like make cars appear in front of people. <laughs> and he's talking to a guy in the mall, and this guy is like, I just want to be alone on a boat, on a on you know, in the middle of a lake just by myself for a while. And With no children. Clicks his fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so Albert clicks his fingers. And this guy appears on a boat and he looks around and like in a, this feels funny to say, cause this is such a weak movie, but in a weaker movie, that character would go, ah, finally. In this movie, he's terrified. <laughs> he, starts, he starts screaming and um, desperately calls his wife. And I thought that was a pretty good gag, a pretty good gag that would not be out of place in a better 
Christmas and the movie. callback was so good as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, later on in the movie, like literally 40 minutes later in the movie, they are like hitchhiking to get to his um, yeah. David's grandma's house and they come across that guy yeah. who's on the side <laughs> of a highway in the middle of the night, like trying to hitchhike his way, still trying to hitchhike his way home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this movie rocks, man. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's talk about the next best movie. Hey, before we do, do you guys know that there is a Wikipedia list of Netflix Christmas movies now? Oh, really? It finally happens. We no longer have... I mean, there's there's ones we've missed, which is concerning. Check the editor. Um, Is it someone on the Discord? (laughs) (laughs) I'm on the Wikipedia page for David and the Elves, and at the bottom is a little box that has Netflix Christmas films and specials, and it has them ranked, you know, categorized by year. Um, mm. So maybe our troubles are behind us in terms of trying to categorize these movies. I would also love it if um, these podcasts became like uh, sources for this list. <laughs> <laughs> There's one we missed in 2018 called yeah, Five Star that. Christmas. Yeah, I was just looking at that. Yeah. Well, hot dog. All right. Hot, anyway. hot chocolate nutcracker. <laughs> Three, two, one. A castle, a castle for, for Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, A Castle for Christmas. This is about Brooke Shields, uh, plays Sophie Brown, who's uh, an author who her last book wasn't super well received. So, uh, especially this, this, she killed off the, the main, the, the male love interest. Like, she, she writes, you know, these Mills and Boone type type books by the sound of it um and so she tries to get away from it all so she goes to scotland where she is um she has she has scottish ancestry and um she yeah she buys this fucking castle in dun dunbar um but she falls in love with the groundskeeper um played by carrie elwes Who's not Scottish. Um, yeah. Yeah, and who also isn't actually the groundskeeper. Turns out to be the Duke of yes. Dun Dunbar. Sorry, yes, he's the, he's the Duke. His, her father worked as the groundskeeper. Mm. So this movie is um, a Holiday in the Wild from 2019, but in Scotland. Mm. Trade out uh, one of your mum's crushes for another, Rob Lowe, for Carrie Alwes. Although Carrie Alwes is like... He was your mum's crush from Princess Bride. I don't know if he mm. sustained that status through the rest of his career. Um, and and uh, trade out Kristen Davis for um, Brooke Shields. A poor mm. trade, can poor, I just yeah. say. <laughs> Brooke Shields, my God, she's awful in this movie. Um, yeah, so this, this again, pretty pretty bleak, pretty bland. Uh, but I do want to start off with my favorite thing, if I may. Mm. <laughs> the one thing I, I like the positivity, AJ. Yeah, Keep it yeah. Coming. I think that the plot idea of a an author who's written a long-running series and the movie starts after she's killed off a favorite character is a really cool idea and a, a really cool place to put your lead character if they were an author in your story i i was really attracted to that idea because i think there was there was almost something they were they were like it feels like it comes from a personal place like whoever mm. wrote the script maybe has you know known yeah. this to happen to writer friends of them um and i you know i really enjoyed that and i enjoyed literally nothing else in this movie <laughs> yeah. yeah this this is like um the very peak kind of 
rich white people Mums. just going and do it like buying a castle like you know how fucking rich and white is that like you literally don't get richer or whiter <laughs> than snowing. buying a castle in Dundee. hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Dunbar. <laughs> uh, or Dun Dunbar is the name of the castle, I think. Oh. Um, yeah, we. I mean, we. The thing is, we talk a lot on this podcast about uh, uh, market segmentation, um, right. and what's yes. really interesting about this year's Netflix miss is that I would say this is probably the only one that we've seen that is very specifically a market segmentation movie. Um, mm-hmm. Like they've they've really fallen off of that uh, that old trick. But this is so clearly aimed at a particular market, right? Like it's so clearly aimed at a particular demographic of women. My mum. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's aimed at because my mum is Scottish, and I told her to wa- <laughs> I told her to watch this movie because she and my mum loves like Outlander, so yeah. like I imagine yeah, so, your mum and my mum. Yeah, um, <laughs> but they this. yeah. My mum texted me the other day to say she after listening to part one, she checked out Father Christmas's back to see if it was as bad as we said, and she discovered it was in fact worse. <laughs> Um, and, Get her on the pod. And Get her I, on pod. And I said, oh, you should check out Castle for Christmas. Don't get me wrong. It's bad. But there's people with Scottish accents in it. So you'll probably like that. And so she said she would check it out. But yeah, this is this is made for... The, the demographic of this film, if we're going to do this from 2019, where we sort of see the demographic... The demographic for this film is my mum. Because it's... And she'll watch it. The The... The Scottish accents will fire these little, you know, synapses in her brain. Hmm. Um, And she'll go, that's familiar. And it'll be on in the background. And then she'll go, that wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. And that'll be, that's that's the demographic for this movie. I wonder, though, if the Scottish accents in this movie are too fake that your mum might actually go the other way. No, but you you underestimate how much my my mum loves to nitpick things. Um, (laughs) She could still love to nitpick it and not think it's a good movie, surely. Because, because like, you, like, and I know Carrie Elways isn't Scottish, but and I'm pretty sure a lot of the other, I feel like you can tell the actors Mm. who are and aren't actually Scottish. Scottish in mm. this movie, and you know, I, I wonder um, if that if that will affect um, your mum's, but not my mum's mm. appreciation of this movie. I also, while we're talking about demographics, I, I should uh, take this this point to issue an apology for last week's episode, um, okay, in which I said that Princess Switch Three, um, Romancing the Star was a Kate film. I've, <laughs> I've spoken to Kate in the in the two weeks since. Uh she did not like the film. Um she Insane. loves the first one. Um and uh but yeah uh Kate, the person I work with, the straw man that we use <laughs> for these films, um 
didn't like it. So, um, you know. She's in- invite to the podcast revoked. <laughs> yeah, but she is, um, she loved us talking about her and she, she thought it was very funny how you guys just immediately ripped on her despite having never met her. But that's <laughs> that's what we're here. That's, that's the Cold Pops the family, yeah. guys. That's so, the game, baby. <laughs> so, Kate, if you're listening to this again, um, we think you're trash. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we like. Um, let me know what you thought of. Uh, did you get to watch a boy called Christmas? Maybe you could come on at some point and uh, let, let us give us your review of a boy called Christmas <laughs> if you watched it before it was taken off. I hope this irretrievably damages your working relationship with Richard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Castle of Christmas. Like I, I actually, I think I got Uber Eats when this movie started. <laughs> And, and it got worse from there. Well, so because I was using my, I, I can't remember what I got, I got, but it was something where my hands got greasy, and so I wasn't using my phone or, or or whatever. So the first like forty minutes of this movie, I actually paid quite a bit of attention to, and then I feel like I blacked out for forty minutes, and then I paid attention to the end. And of then it. it was still going. Yeah, like straight it does, up. It is a still going movie, isn't it? I it gets to the party at the end, and I was just like, what. What is your excuse for still being on? Yeah, like like it, it just it, it grinds to a halt, and then you're like, oh whoops. Um, the you get to a point where you're like, um, surely this movie is not still going. Mm. Um, and then you're like, well, no, there hasn't been any plot advancements. It's been ten minutes. Um, but you know, that's just that's just what happens in They've the movie. They've just gone for another for whatever reason horse ride. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things about this is I think very similarly to Love Hard and and other Netflix miss movies is I just think the trope of having your lead character be a female, like a woman who's a successful writer. There's, just, I feel like there's just something about that. It's very um, uh, like author insert. Yeah, and but also like I think this idea that. Um, and I don't know what it is. I'd, I'd welcome any insights into this for you the, think from, women can't write from the target demographic. But just the idea that a woman who writes for a living and has her sort of like thoughts on a page be very successfully received, being kind of like this like wonderful audience surrogate for people who want to be like I don't know you know listened to and for their ideas to be important or whatever. Mm. But it's just it comes across as so like. And I think it's not helped by the fact that it's Brooke Shields who has zero internal life coming across through her face. <laughs> like she is an absolute blank canvas of like, hey, remember what Brooke, Brooke, um, what Brooke Shields used to look like? Here's someone who almost looks like that and <laughs> nothing else. Yeah. I'm also just going to quickly um, address the elephant yeah. in the room. Uh, in order to dampen the sound in my recording room, uh, I hang up a little blanket behind me and it's just fallen down so if the quality of sound for me and jeremy has decreased in the last couple of minutes that's why but you've listened for 40 minutes so you're probably gonna stick around <laughs> it, it, re- it reflects the the internal insanity of netflix music, yeah I think. it and reflects I, the hollowness I, of the performance i would love to get this done in an hour so whatever you have to say about cast of christmas aj get it Fucking I'd really out. love to walk you guys through and cherry pick the um 
the filmography of this film's director, one uh, Mary Lambert. Mm. Um, I'm going to tell you a couple. She's directed a bunch of films. I'm going to tell you a couple of them, right? Yeah. Uh, in 1989, she directed Pet Cemetery, which is quite a Whoa. big deal, right? Mm. The Stephen King adaptation. In 1992, she directed Pet Cemetery 2, which is not a Stephen King adaptation, but a you know a, se- a movie only sequel to Pet yeah. Cemetery, right? Skip skip ahead a few movies. In 2001, she directed Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge, a movie we've covered on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then jump ahead, the movie she directed before A Castle for Christmas. In 2011, she directed Mega Python vs. Gatoroid. I feel sorry for her. (laughs) This is one of the most insane filmographies. You start off with Pet Cemetery was her second film. At what point... Do you make that right turn into eventually getting Mega Python versus Gatoroid and a castle for Christmas 10 years later? What yeah. has to happen to a person? Also, um, 75% on Ron Tomatoes, this film. <laughs> what? Oh, wow. Oh, for, from four reviews, I'm guessing? Probably. I didn't look. <laughs> I think you have to have minimum five, actually. Um, it'll be from eight reviews. Um, that's, what my, that's my guess. Let's... um. Let's just see if we can verify that, eh? One of the things about this movie... 16 reviews. ...is the supporting cast are doing a pretty good job. Like this, you know, you've mm-hmm. got Carrie Elwes and you've got Brooke Shields, who are obviously the, the known faces here. And then there's a supporting cast of people who are quite good character actors that, you know, I've, I've not seen them in anything else before. Um, and I just feel like turning up to work every day... And doing like you know, hey, I'm in a Netflix miss, you know, I'm in a Netflix Christmas movie. This is great. Like I'm, I'm stoked. This is a, a big production. Awesome. And then having to sit there and act opposite Brooke Shields and what she's doing. It's like, what an insult to these people who are like working their craft. You know, it's just like I am underneath this person in this film. I'm Mary like, I, Lambert. I directed Mega Python versus <laughs> and you're giving me this. Yeah. There's also a couple of like really standout like clangers in the script of this movie. Like where just the things that people say have no bearing on the things that have gone before and what comes afterwards. I'm specifically thinking about the moment where uh, Brooke Shields character realizes that she's in love with. um, Oh, oh, that's right. She 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 finds a dress uh, in in the castle that obviously mm-hmm. belongs to someone from uh, Carrie Elway's family because it's his family home that's been in the family for generations. And she finds this dress. She's just like, I found this dress. I'm, I'm going to wear it for the big party that we're going to do. And, and up until this point, they have not like admitted to one another that they love each other or they even like each other. She goes to his room. She's standing in the in the hallway and she goes like, I found this dress. And he goes, you shouldn't have done that. And then... They just start making out. And it's just like, there's a true like it's kind hot, of threat sexy. to his voice. There's a true threat to his voice. Gets your mum corny, sh- dude. I, and, and, but it's, it's like he's sort of like introducing the conflict that's going to like sustain the rest of the tension of the movie. And you shouldn't have done that. But then it just gets mm. absolutely thrown away and no one says anything more about it. It's just, oh, and there's just stuff like that all the way through the movie. It's just like, why did that get, uh, I just don't even understand why it's in there. Yeah. Alrighty, well, let's talk about another Three, movie. two, one, 
Single, Single all the way. BuzzFeed have a have a list for this movie. It's called 17 Fan Reactions to Single All the Way that prove it's the Netflix rom-com you've been waiting for. Uh, in some ways, it was the Netflix rom-com I was waiting for. In a lot of ways, it did not explicitly deliver on <laughs> being the one I was waiting for. Like, I thought this looked pretty promising, um, but ultimately, while it may be... Uh, I'd say I probably liked um, Love Hard more than this. Yeah, it is one of the more easier watches, more fun watches, I should say. Yeah, I watched this with a couple of people in the room, and and my my me yelling at the screen didn't yeah. feel as um as as lost. It's just immediately more interesting because it's a gay love story. It's a I'll, shift, I'll, right? I'll say it. I'll be the one to say mm. it. And, and, you, so and, you, brave, and you put in a <laughs> you put in a character actress like Jennifer Coolidge, oh and it's gosh. just like you just you can have a good time. But it, it is like just immediately. But the thing is, the interesting thing is though that it's like it does like nothing really new with like the rom com or the especially like the hallmark rip off Netflix Miss mm. uh, you know romantic formula, but just the fact that it's a gay romance is like well this is new yeah it's just immediately slightly more interesting it also by the way stars barry bostwick who shows up in a lot of these film franchise Fortnite adjacent movies that we watch yeah Um, i'll take i'll take the pricey for this one uh because i want to criticize it as i tell you the story (laughs) okay so we have got our our main players. First of all, the movie starts, every character's a gay man. I've never seen this before in a movie. It's insane. Every character you Including see- Including Jennifer first, Coolidge. Uh, no, no. I see as it starts, every character is a gay man. Like before it gets to the family- His arguments here tight, Jeremy. He's 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 like the main character who's Peter. He is working as like a a photographer for like this fashion a social media the, like social yeah yeah yeah. Everyone around him is is clearly a gay man, um, which I just thought was very interesting because I'd never <laughs> seen a movie. Um, tip you know it made me feel very like oh man it made me feel sorry for um you know like gay people watching movies where everyone's straight you know it was a it was a looking in the reflection kind of moment for me um and maybe the most profound thing i got from this movie (laughs) (laughs) it was the Um, was it the gale gaze the gale the 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 gale gaze or just the male gaze sorry to chris parker and eli matthewson fellow um uh fellow little empire podcasters mm, one of don't whom i'm exist. pretty sure don't know we exist <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh peter is, is a, the social marketing um guy and he lives with his best friend nick who is also a gay guy and at the start of the movie he is dating a doctor and nick and Peter's the doctor best is friend, a gay guy <laughs> The doctor's a gay guy. No, he, well, <laughs> who knows? Well, Peter's best friend discovers that this doctor he's dating, who he's already invited home for Christmas, is actually um, is, is actually uh, married to a woman, right? With so children, been, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so the, this is when what feels like is going to be the central yeah. story engine of this of the movie comes in but then is backtracked on and then um <laughs> later embraced um which was very confusing is that he goes well i've already told my family that i'm bringing someone home for christmas nick will you pretend to be my boyfriend 
and come home for Christmas with me. And I go, okay, in my head, I'm like, okay, I recognize the story. This is Yeah, this they, is from Love Hard. This is from Love Hard. They they go back, they pretend to be boyfriends, they eventually fall in love for real. Um, what I didn't know and what is quickly revealed is that the family know Nick and have known Nick for years as mm. Peter's best friend. And have been and this, shipping them hard. Mm, but this, I feel, is was was a strange <laughs> left turn to take this trajectory. I think the, the story works better when the family don't know the fake yeah. love interest. Right? It's, because, it, it, it's very funny, though, that it's just like, Mom, Dad, this is my boyfriend. Like, No, we know Nick. Nick, come on yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly and so it's the situation where it's like the the movie of um a guy of, of of your son telling you that their lifelong best friend is now their lover is like an interesting place to explore in and of itself and i'm like okay this is this is a really interesting wrinkle to throw into this movie as soon as they get to the parents house the jig is up and um nick it, it doesn't pretend to be his boyfriend doesn't even consult peter because peter's mum wants to set him up on a date and i'm like okay so they're they're ditching the storyline almost immediately that's very strange and also um, at the beginning i thought that the doctor i thought the mm. tension was gonna be that he was bringing the doctor home and mm. and then and and the whole thing because um nick mm. is he he works as a task rabbit so yeah. i thought it was gonna be this thing of like the family was so in love with the idea that his boyfriend was like a doctor oh my gosh mm. and then they, they had to get used effects. to the fact that like actually it's okay for him to be in love with someone who doesn't really have yeah. like a stable income and a job but it's more important love than sort of this kind of career yeah. impressiveness totally the point being is that this movie in its first 20 minutes burns through plot ideas for what could be a full movie, right? And then um, he goes on this date that his mum sets him up with and the guy is great. Uh, his name is uh, James yeah. um, and he's played, a great guy. Played by Luke McFarlane who has been the lead like love interest in like 18 Hallmark Christmas movies. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, so now we're in a movie where it's about a guy who's gone back from he lives in LA, he's gone to New Hampshire for the holidays and he's fallen in love with a New Hampshire and like a a small town person who, you know, the the joke being there's not a lot of gays in small towns, right? And and that and so now it's a movie about a guy who has to decide does he want to move back home or stay in LA with his job. Um and and then um and what and I'm not gay and I'm probably have a pretty bad gaydar so maybe this is on me. Halfway through the movie they start sowing the seeds that no Nick and Peter actually are secretly in love with each other. Something which I thought was cool that they weren't because it's like gay people can be friends without being romantically yeah, yeah. interested, right? And it's like oh what a cool way to normalize it and, and show something it. that but is then, explicitly said by the mother character. Said by who the says, mother character. I've read in a book yeah. That it's okay yeah. and, and that straight people shouldn't just assume that because two gay men are, are friends with each other that they should just yeah. hook up because it's okay for two guys to be friends with each other and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so it's almost like we're coached as an audience through mm. that. Yeah, you're coached into being more woke for the movie to be like, but... <laughs> anyway, I just want to fucking. <laughs> so, um, then it becomes a movie about, and all, and I should say in the background, there's like this Christmas pageant thing that's developing with Jennifer Coolidge, um, which I'll get to in a second. But then it becomes a movie about a, um, the family have decided that Nick and Peter belong together, which happens in, um, 
the princess switch 2 and it really pissed me off because it's one of those this is actually none of your fucking business yeah kind of what a weird thing to do to like mingle in your relatives love life because you believe they should be with someone what a strange thing that that is only accepted in movies you know like Mm. if this happened in real life it'd be considered toxic behavior um anyway uh it starts to look like peter and nick are going to get together and then there's a mention of um where peter says to james who's the other guy who i was i was on team james i should say where he basically (laughs) says like oh well i've been thinking about moving back to new hampshire sort of for you um but you're real hot and could be a model because he he photographs him for for a modeling thing maybe you should move to la and then there's this whole thing where it feels like it's going to be this interesting, like everybody gets each other's ending where one of them stays in New Hampshire. One of them goes back to LA, you know, this kind of thing you didn't expect. Um, and I don't know if they pick up on James's storyline after that, but yeah. Nick and Peter um, eventually get together and decide to stay in New Hampshire. Uh, a message that I I ideologically disagree with, not that they're two men being together. I, I love that. I support that. I'm getting in front because <laughs> I used ideological difference, and I know that's a buzz yeah. word for this kind of thing. Uh, I just can't support the idea of... <laughs> you just can't support that, like, the other thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I can't say. support the idea of moving from a big city to a small town. I think that's... <laughs> a horrible message to tell people i think it's well, AJ, that is never you a good thing from auckland to christchurch so apparently it's still you a do city. support it it's still a city i don't live in the middle of nowhere and also for a long time in auckland i did live in a small subsection all right here he goes um anyway <sighs> i thought this movie was incredibly muddled and yeah. incredible like as as i've sort of pointed out and going over the plot like it feels like it's got about six or seven different ideas for what it could be and all it can stand on is like okay but it's the gay version of this rom-com you've seen before which is a good idea but pick one you know what i'm saying it's really interesting because like i didn't think it was as muddled as you do like because right when they introduced the luke uh, the the um james character like the hot guy from the local town mm-hmm. like i just knew that he was the um james marsden of this movie right like i, I guess knew i'm not that used he to was- the james marsden like character arc because like they don't even make him a bad guy he's quite a cool guy no and and like you know? james, yeah it's 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 absolutely the james marsden like from the notebook and you know um superman returns yeah and also um x-men mm. you know when he's cyclops yeah, yeah. And he's, he's the cuck sonic the hedgehog yeah, yeah cinema's he's, greatest he's, he's the guy who makes all the sense in the world but it's just not right it's just not love and i i just always knew that it was going to be nick because it's like in these movies they when 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 especially because the, the two, there are two daughters, so like um uh the main character's uh f- extended family is like his sisters both have children, um mm. and and the the older nieces are just like the Greek chorus on behalf of the audience yeah. telling you that he needs to get together with Nick mm. and they like just and they even like go behind and they tell they go to Nick and they say Nick. You know, what them. are you doing? You need yeah. to start torpedoing these this dating relationship <laughs> that this guy's having with James because you're the guy that he's supposed to be. You're the with. Hugh Jackman or Brandon Routh or Ryan Gosling or Ben Schwartz. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so and, and and Nick's like, Well, yeah, I, I think I am. And like and so yeah. I don't know. I just I thought it was a pretty typical rom com right. where there's someone who's set up to be like the perfect 
like bit vanilla and kind of empty vessel for the person to fall in love with but it's actually mm. the more complicated but ultimately right for the person guy who's going to get the guy in the end yeah i guess so i guess that's what the movie wants you to take away from it i just i just supported james more than i did <laughs> You're that, like, I, I just thought he was hotter i just i what really kind thought of, was- I, th- I thought the chemistry was better i thought I th- and it is interesting isn't it that it's like do i stay in new hampshire for james and it's like no but i do stay in new hampshire just for nick um, but it was never about staying for james because he wanted to stay in new hampshire because of his family that was like yeah, his yeah. whole thing it's like now that i'm here with my family i realize how much i miss them and i really want to be a plant guy i want to be a plant guy i'm a plant guy it's like almost it's it's hewing so closely to the mm. the i'm about the beatles sister from like father christmas is back it's just like i'm just really into plants guys okay um the other thing that you sort of mentioned a little bit of but like jennifer coolidge did not need to be in this movie at all like there is literally she she makes no difference to the plot whatsoever there were enough other side characters that she did not have to be introduced like you know the person who was actually running the play could have been the older sister or even the younger mm. sister who was mm. already involved it's just they they just sort of like wheel in Jennifer Coolidge well, to come here's... and be Jennifer Coolidge in this movie mm. and to be honest I'm not mad about it because it was yeah, yeah. amazing but it was very much like she's an extra part to this movie that like really felt like she was sort of hanging on just by the quality yeah. of her outlandish performance I think part of that is is that in the similar way to you, we you see other actors get um, used when their meme star is rising. Yeah. I think between in the last year, Jennifer Coolidge has gone from being like an actress you might recognize in a few things to like people know her name and people know what White you know, Lotus like, did a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, and I think that, and I'm reading on the Wikipedia page, it says that um, the writer wrote the character of Aunt Sandy with Jennifer Coolidge in mind, which is like, no shit, because there's even a part in it where Aunt Sandy, Jennifer Coolidge's character, is talking about um, her, like the gay people in her life, and she's like, they just seem to love me, which is, you know, that's true in real life. And so it feels like this is a, and it it, it feels weird to Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. yeah, it feels weird to call it a Jennifer Coolidge vehicle because she's not needed in the film, but at the same yeah. time it is because she's Jennifer Coolidge. Um, the last thing, and I should have started with this because we've been starting with positives, the and but this wasn't entirely terrible as the other two were, so I, yeah. I feel like it's all good. It was the, terrible. The, yeah. But the best thing I can say about this movie is it's some of the best um, casting I've seen in a movie in a long time in oh, terms yeah. of casting... Yeah, yeah family members because first of all jennifer coolidge i knew she was in this movie and when um uh what's her name kathy kathy najimi kathy najimi when she showed up in the movie and she's like in a in a in a wide shot i was like is that jennifer coolidge because <laughs> she plays her sister she, they look like sisters this is like boromir faramir thing from lord of the rigs um like they that thing where it's like they they look it looks they look so good as sisters together they definitely look related as does um who you you pointed this out when i mentioned this to you before richard the- uh jennifer robertson who's um jocelyn jocelyn shit and shit's creek right um she's like their daughter uh, oh yeah she, well, she's she's kathy um, najimi's daughter yeah and, and she, uh, she also looks related to yeah her and Jennifer yeah Coolidge. but the weird thing is that she's like kathy najimi is only like 12 years older than uh, than this actress who's playing her daughter and it's like <laughs> oh that gosh. happens all the time dude happens in real life too malcolm in the middle 
um, the guy <laughs> plays Malcolm and the guy plays Reese are like the same age. In fact, I think Frankie Muniz is, is older than Justin Bieber. Yes, but they're, they're brothers. <laughs> okay. So when boys do it, it's okay. All right. <laughs> it is Netflixmas 2021, everybody. Uh, I've had a horrible time. How have you guys found it? Yeah, I'm so tired. I'm yeah. going to go to bed. Okay. I've had a great me, time, guys. Do you want to tell people where they can find us? Um, I'm glad to hear you've had a good time, Jeremy. But yeah, this is this is it for uh, Netflixmas for the year. Um, uh, sorry, we couldn't cover what may or may not be the best one, and sorry, yeah. we couldn't cover the ones that haven't come out yet. That's on Netflix. Write to your write to your congressman and tell them to write to write Netflix. To your Santa Claus. And it feels uh, right yeah. that this should be miserable. I don't know. It feels like it comes with the season. Uh, anyway, if you want to find us, thank you for listening, everybody. If you, uh, let us know what you thought of the Netflix movies this year, um, including the ones we can't watch. Uh, and yeah, uh, check us out, Cold Popture, on all the social medias, mainly Twitter and Instagram, preferably. That's where to find us. There's the best place to find us. Um, but you can also join our Discord, which there is a link to in the show notes. Um, and you can subscribe to our various YouTube channels. And also uh, join our Patreon if you want to support us. We just got our 80th patron this week. How crazy is that? 80 people I remember when you were all the way down at 69 three months ago Um, so if you want to join the Patreon there is a link in the show notes www.patreon.com slash coldpopshire and speaking of the Patreon um, we are going to do a post-credit scene move into the post-credit scene which is supported by a Patreon as soon as this music ends kakite everybody Merry Christmas everyone Post-credit scene time. Here it is. Welcome Jeremy's to the still here scene. again. <laughs> this is a segment. Jeremy, what is the post-credit scene? Do you understand? This, this, this truly can't be worse than last time. I, I, I have to I have to believe. <laughs> this it's is a the segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash coldpopshire, you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post-credit scene. Richard, will you tell me, please, who is it from and what is their post-credit All scene? All right. Today is the 99th post-credit scene we've cool. done. Uh, and this comes to us from Marabara, who says, what's your least favorite part of your favorite genre? Mine is gender essentialism in martial arts movies. This is a great question. And it's one that I, you know, if I had time to really properly sit down and think, but <laughs> genres, genre is one of those things that I find it difficult. I, I just signed up for something recently and it made me like tick my favorite genres. And I was like, I don't know, like fucking just whatever. Yeah, good um, movies. And- uh, but I, I will say one that it pops up in a lot of different genres. And I've talked about this before, but I hate um, the, and it's, it's, you know, quite frequently in zombie films is when I pointed as when I pointed out, but the, the period of time where the characters haven't worked out what's happening. And it's mm-hmm. like, you as the audience know that this is the premise of the film and you're just waiting for them. They go, no, no, surely that can't be it. And you get it in superhero movies or like any kind of, otherworldly 
you know, sort of, sort of uh, powers. Extraordinary or elements. Yeah, they, they, there's always characters that don't believe it. It's like I know you're going to come round to it. Like an understanding lag. Yeah, yeah, the understanding lag. That's a great way of putting it. So my least favorite is the understanding lag. Jeremy, AJ, do you guys have any? Jeremy's one because Jeremy's favorite genre is Christmas movies, and his least favorite trope is when Santa exists in the world of the film, and yet the parents don't believe in them. And the question being. Who delivers Santa's presents? Do they just absolutely not? not. No. My my <laughs> least favorite thing about Christmas movies is when one of the lead characters has terrible hair. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that that pertains only to Christmas movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I don't know. I, I struggle to think of a genre that I would define Musicals? myself as like really loving musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, oh fuck yes! Oh my goodness! Thank musicals you, and the thing you hate is pr- pretty much all of them. Oh, just no. <laughs> <laughs> what I hate is when you get a musical where they cast people who they think are going to get like punters into seats and sell tickets, but cannot sing to save their lives. And so they basically they That's sacrifice the very essence of the genre just to try and guarantee. And I'm like, why make a musical then? Do why make, why make think- a musical if you don't want to have people actually singing? Do you think there is a certain trade off though? There's like a certain amount that you can forgive for getting a better performance yes like yeah. like i'm 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 fine with not getting some kind of totally obscure like amazing musical theater performer yeah. that no one's ever heard of from like chicago in the chicago theater scene to come yeah. and do your like you know your lead character but like actually why not invest in someone who's already proven themselves has a bit of a name mm. for themselves in musical theater do you have an example of a performance in a musical where their singing wasn't the best, but- Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor in Moulin Rouge is, I think, the perfect example of where an actor who's at the sort of very limits of his limited ability to sing, and also a character for whom that makes sense, mm. because in the movie, the rest of them are all performers, but right. he is the everyman- like who doesn't like and his singing is coming about like he's he's straining because it's, he wants to make it into that world mm. like he's coming from the outside wanting to be part of the world of of the performers and he's trying his, and and it's all coming out of his heart and his love for Satine like his desperation for Satine and so the strain on his voice when he's going for the top notes and stuff like that yes it's not as great as other people it's not perfect but he's really good and that's why when they put Moulin Rouge onto Broadway and they cast Aaron Tveit Mm. who is an incredible tenor and absolutely perfect. He sings Come What May in the key that Ewan McGregor sang it in. And like Ewan McGregor is like straining to get the top notes of Come What May. And Aaron Tveit in like the sort of musical trailer for that when they were putting it onto Broadway. I was just like, this is the most boring version of Come What May ever because he's he's just easily sailing up and beyond the top notes. And there's just, it's like clinical the way he's singing Mm. it. That's a great answer. And so, AJ, I guess that leaves you to give us the funny answer to end on. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to say, like, it's- um it's a very generous review of Ewan McGregor not being a good singer. You say, you're like, no, it works because of the character. And Ewan McGregor's like, yeah, 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 I was good, I was good for that. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I don't know what genre you would call this, but it's like coming of age for adults. And in fact, coming of age anyway, I really like. Mm. But it's not not strictly teenagers, like Garden stories. State. Garden State's a great example. I hate when things like that have main characters cheat on their loved ones, like cheat on mm. their wife or cheat on their girlfriend or boyfriend. It's a or big whatever. Netflix thing. 
It's a big Netflix thing, and I don't. I it ruins characters, and I. I maybe this is a little naive of me. I don't think this happens as much as these kinds of movies present it as happening. Wait till you get to the real world. <laughs> I know that's the that's the that's what I'm setting myself up to, to you know to be naive on. But it's just like I remember there was um friends from college it was an old netflix series that came out maybe five years ago and i remember being like this looks like it could be a cool dramedy kind of thing and like it's like uh keegan michael key and kobe smolders are secretly sleeping together and that's where their story starts and i just hate it i think it's so i don't understand why these these personal dramedies can't move past uh infidelity it's it's like it's it's their only idea for a yeah drama. it's a, it's a lazy moral tension. Mm. Judd, Judd Apatow does it a lot, I think, mm. and uh, that's my answer. I hate the I hate I hate uh, characters you're supposed to like cheating on. You know, uh, there are exceptions, um, but mostly I hate it. <laughs> yeah. 